My name is Adam. If you don't know who I am, I'm a member at Clearwater Church, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you to share God's Word. And I hope that um, this church's series called Catch the Wind, as we've been discussing the work of the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit, has been a beneficial to us as a church as we think about how the Spirit works in our life. And today we're going to look at how we are guided by the Spirit of God in our life. How are we guided by the Spirit? And over the past few decades, a growing number of Americans, growing number of people in Western culture are considered a, a members of the, the nuns, a group of people um, or a group that researchers called people that have no religious affiliation, right? They're nothing. They don't want to be a Christian or a Catholic or a, a Buddhist or anything. They're just nothing. A Pew Research Center report in 2012, so over, over 10 years ago, said one in five adults which includes uh, one in five adults, which includes one in three adults under 30 are religiously unaffiliated. That's, that was, again, over 10 years ago. One in three adults under 30 are religiously unaffiliated. Many of those people are around my age right, right now. They're, they're around 40 years old. They're in that spiritual but not religious category. That's a whole generation of people. There's a large growing number. But the younger generation, people younger than me, right, folks in their 20s and 30s, they're not, they may be as inclined to reject religion, but they're not as inclined to reject spirituality, right? They're interested in spiritual things. Generation Z has embraced not organized religion, but a lot of them have embraced a new age spirituality, providing them with community, meaning, purpose, and in many cases, spiritual guidance. They've turned to these new age beliefs for spiritual guidance. And some of these practices of new age spirituality could be familiar to you, right? Horoscopes, astrology, psychics, tarot card reading, uh, but it could include other things. People, you know, using crystals or looking for energy in the natural world, like the energy of the mountains or the trees or the oceans for strength. Um, some people have even pursued something called a personal spiritual guide, right? So if you Google spiritual guides or how to be guided by the Spirit, you're going to come up with some of the top results not being how am I guided by the Holy Spirit, but how am I guided by spirits or some might call them angels or how am I guided by these things? And this is more and more common. A 2021 study by Springtide Research said 51% of its survey population aged 13 to 25, 13 to 25, 51% of those people engaged in tarot cards or fortune telling. Of that percentage, 17 practiced daily, 25 once a week, 27 once a month, and 31% less than once a month. And as you might guess, Christians are not omitted from those who have one or more of those new age beliefs. Christians in a Pew Research Center report in 2018 said six in 10 Christians believed in one or more of those new age beliefs, right? So a Christian uh, could believe in uh, astrology or seeking spiritual guides or energy from the, from the mountains or the, or, or the trees, or they believed in, in reincarnation or, or, or something of that nature. Six in 10. 55% of men are, uh, are ones today that hold a new age belief. And this number jumps to seven in 10 among women, seven in 10. What does this tell us? 
Of course, we know that the, the, the spiritual landscape in our country is, is, is changing. It looks different than it did when I was younger. But what does this tell us? It's telling us that the hunger for spiritual guidance remains. Whether they've, folks have rejected Christianity, re- rejected Christ and embraced this new age spirituality, or even among Christians, right? The hunger, the desire for guidance from God or from a higher power remains. And so as we consider the work of the Holy Spirit to guide us in our life, it's incredibly important today uh, that we take a closer look at how the Holy Spirit guides us. Because there can be a real confusion, even among Christians, that the way a person could get guidance from a New Age belief like tarot cards or astrology is the same way the Holy Spirit guides us. And that's a real danger because that's not how the Spirit guides us at all. Right? When you go to a, a psychic or an astrologer, right, you're going to look for guidance about very personal things. Right? Just like you'd go to the Holy Spirit. You're looking for, for, for very personal things. But you go to those other beliefs and you say, if I give you this, what guidance can I get in return? It's like going to a higher power like you'd go to a vending machine and select a candy bar or bag of chips that you want. Right? At, the, at, the, at its core... New Age spirituality is still about some spiritual practice, but it's a spiritual practice that I can control, that I can own, that I can say and, and, and have that amount of influence that I want in my life. And so the danger for us as Christians as we think about spiritual guidance, guidance from the Holy Spirit, is that we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, tell me what's going on, God. Tell me what's going on in this situation or that situation, not because I want you to control, but because I want to control it, because I want to have my finger in the pie. So that's why it's important for us as we're thinking about these things to think about how does the Spirit guide us? What does the Bible say about spiritual guidance before we get into some practical things? So I've already mentioned this, but of course, when we go to the Spirit for guidance, we're going with very personal requests in mind, right? We don't go to the Spirit in the morning and say, Spirit, should I go to work today? Should my kids go to school today, right? We go with very personal things, things that to us are largely out of our control. God, how do I raise my kids? Lord, what should I do about my job that I'm struggling with? Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? We go to God, we go to the Spirit for personal guidance about very personal things. Last winter, I was in a position where I was looking for a new job. And when I started this search for employment, I was desperate for guidance. I knew that my time at my old employer was, was, was done. I was in a rather abusive workplace at, at that time. And I knew that it was, that was the nudge for me to get out, get out the door. Right? I knew that that was a, a time of change for my life. But I had no idea, absolutely no idea about what to do for a job. Right? And of course, my wife's like, you are going to work, right? <laughs> You're too young to retire. You are going to work. And so I had an overwhelming anxiety, and I was praying daily, God, what are you going to do? Can you show me what, what should I do today? What is my, what is, uh, where should I apply for work? Where should I look for? I had a big anxiety about this very basic question. And I'm sure most of us have had a very similar story where we've reached out to God with a situation that seems beyond our control and saying, God, I want you to take over. I want you to tell me 
what to do next. God, hand me a guidebook. God, hand me a map and show me what to do next because if you don't, I don't know what is going to happen. And so as we think about how the Holy Spirit guides us, know that we are treading into very deep and potentially dangerous waters, right? This conversation can go all sorts of ways, right? If you think about it. Because that desire for guidance is very personal and it's very meaningful for us. And the, 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 the danger that we face is that the danger for guidance gets us into trouble when we seek to control guidance from the Spirit or we seek guidance from other means, from other spiritual beings, which also exist. Perhaps this is why the Bible doesn't talk much about personal guidance from the Spirit. Of course, the Bible does talk on multiple occasions throughout the Scripture, I would argue, about the Spirit working in the world. But it doesn't prescribe what that looks like, does it? The scripture doesn't tell us when the spirit guides us, it's going to look like this. It doesn't do that, does it? It shows us what spiritual guidance looks like. It doesn't tell us what spiritual guidance will look like. It shows us what it, it, it in a way, right? It, it doesn't tell us what it is, but it shows us what it's supposed to look like. The Spirit certainly provides guidance for our life, but the Spirit's guidance does not look like the next steps or a guidebook. The Spirit doesn't give us a map. If you guys know, the, remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Right? Indiana Jones was desperate for the guidebook. Right? He's got to find the book that his dad had. His dad's book had all the answers, and if he wanted to beat the Nazis to find the Holy Grail, he needed that book. Right? And that's the crux of the story. And there at the end, they're at the temple, you know, where, where, the, where the old knight is, and Indiana Jones has to do all these things, right? He's got to pass all these tests. And if he didn't have the guidebook, he wouldn't know that he had to kneel and go over those saws, or he had to find out how the Arabic spelled the word um, um, Jehovah, right? But because he had the guidebook, he knew. And that's the danger, Right? The danger for us as Christians is that we go to God and we say, I want to have control. I want to have the guidebook. But the Spirit says, I'm not going to give you the guidebook. I'm going to be your guide. I'm not going to give you the guidebook. I'm going to be your guide. So the Spirit does not give us this guidebook. He gives us himself. So when you think about spiritual guidance, don't ask God for a map. Don't ask God for the guidebook or for the next steps. Know that when God is going to, when you go to God with your personal need, with your request for guidance, with say, God, what does my next step in life looks like? God, how do you help me in this situation? God doesn't meet us with that map. He doesn't meet us with that guidebook. He meets us with himself because that's what we really need. We don't need an answer. We need God. We don't need the spirit to, to tell us whether to apply for this job or help me raise my kids this way. We need the Spirit in our life. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at what does the Bible say about spiritual guidance, give us a bit of a biblical overview. And secondly, what does it mean for a person to be guided by the Spirit? Because that's what the Bible is really interested in answering. What are the marks of a person who's guided by the Spirit before we're done and we talk about some of the ways that we can make choices as we're guided by the Spirit? So open up your Bible. We're going to read some sections from Psalm 25. 
So what does the Bible say about guidance from the Spirit? And if you want a, a good example of what spiritual guidance looks like, Psalm 25 is one of your answers. So Psalm 25, verse 12. We're going to read a couple sections in this over the next 20 minutes or so. And it says, verse 12, Psalm 25, verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. God has chosen a way for you. God has chosen a way for you, and he will instruct you in the way that you should go, right? It's, it's not a lie or it's not something to scoff at when someone says, God has a plan for your life, right? God has chosen a way for you because he's done that. God has chosen a way for us, um, and there are things that only you can do. And God will tell you what those things are. He will show you the way. In the New Testament, that idea sounds like Ephesians 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared these good works for you to do. To do what? To walk in those things. God has created good things for only you to do. God has created a way for you, and that is only your way, right? Your life looks different than, than your spouse's life or your kid's life or your colleague's life, right? Of course, everyone's life looks different, and God has created that way for you. He's prepared it beforehand for you that you should walk in those things. Your days have been set by the Lord. God has a plan for your life. And by the guidance of the Spirit and you walking in obedience, you will walk in the way that you should go. But guidance, as I've already alluded to, is not the primary role of the Spirit, right? Jesus did not ascend into heaven and send the Spirit to us to guide us in our life, right? The Spirit has uh, a different purpose, as John 16 says. But when he, the Spirit of truth, this is Jesus speaking, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will what? He'll guide us into all truth. The scripture is very clear that the Spirit is working to do several things on the earth, right? He's working to uh, regenerate our hearts, right? To cultivate faith in our hearts. That's one of the primary works of the Spirit. Sanctification, right? The Spirit is working to make our lives more like Jesus. That's what the Spirit is doing daily in our life. Thirdly, he has a ministry of high assurance and power, the Spirit is the down payment, the foundation, uh, and to guarantee our eternal life. And lastly, as Mike talked about last week, about the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism, the Spirit gives us special power, and I'd say special guidance, when we're working for the purposes of the gospel, right? That God gives us unique clarity and power when we proclaim the gospel on mission with, uh, with the Spirit. So the scripture is, it, it doesn't say that, you know, the, the, the primary role of the Spirit is guidance. The scripture doesn't say that, right? That, that, that God is, is guiding us in this direction or that direction. The scripture shows us what spiritual guidance looks like. It doesn't tell us what spiritual guidance will look like. It shows us instead. The Spirit was not sent, as I can jokingly say, right, for dating or for career advice. I remember I went to a, a, a Bible school a long time ago. It was a very spiritual environment. 
I was a young man. And uh, as a young man, uh, this was before my wife, I had met my wife there. Um, I was checking out the girls in my class, right? Because you could, you're looking for a girl to go on a date with. And I asked, I was 18, I was dumb, shot my shot. And the answer I got was, what is your intention for, for dating? This woman was very intentional, you know, in, in saying no to me, right? And I say, God, I thought you were pretty clear that I was supposed to ask this girl out on a date to go to coffee. And that was not the answer that I got at all, right? Because the Spirit's not interested in those things, right? That, that, of course, God is involved in every aspect of our life, but God is not saying, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you which way to, to go. I'm going to show you which way to go as you walk your life with me. And so the, the, the big idea, the, the idea that I'd love to get across today is that guidance from the Spirit is not something that He gives to us. It's something that He does for us. The Spirit does not give us guidance. It's something that He does for us. The Spirit's guidance is something like Acts 17, 28. That, uh, this is Paul's sermon at Mars Hill. And he says, for in Him, in Christ, in the Spirit, we live and move and we have our being." Right? We live and move and have our being with God. He doesn't so much show us the way to go. It's something that he does for us. Right? We, and we live and we move and we have our being with the Spirit. To put it another way, in the words of John Newton, an 18th century Anglican cleric, he wrote a little hymn called Amazing Grace, which you're probably familiar with. Uh, he says, everything is necessary that God sends our way. Everything is necessary that God sends our way. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. Everything that God sends your way is necessary. It's God's plan for you. It's the path that God has put forward for you. Nothing is necessary that he withholds. The Spirit, as I've mentioned, does not give us a roadmap for life, but invites us as we live by faith. Think of the memory verse that we talked about this morning, but invites us as we live by faith to make choices with the Spirit, walking in obedience to life that has been set before us. So what's the danger, right? The danger that I've talked about, that we can approach the Holy Spirit like, uh, like we're pursuing a new age belief, right? That God's going to be like a vending machine, right? That we can put a coin in, say a prayer, read a scripture, and we're going to get the answer that we want at the end. What is that danger? The danger is, is that we're looking for a shortcut, that's what I wanted from the Spirit when I was looking for a job last year, right? I wanted a shortcut. I wanted to walk in my flesh and not walk in the Spirit. In another way of saying, I wanted to have my finger in the pie. I wanted to know what God was doing in my life so that I could have some type of control over the outcome, at least imagine myself having some type of control over the outcome. And so when we go to, to the Spirit, we're not, for guidance, we're not saying, hopefully, God, tell me which way I should go because I want some type of control over the outcome. But Spirit, guide me as I trust you and walk by faith. And what did the Spirit do when I was desperate for guidance? And I hope all of you have had this experience when you've gone to the Spirit for guidance. God, again, does not give you the answer, doesn't give you a roadmap. He gives you himself, and that feels like peace, doesn't it? 
When you go to God for guidance and you actually give him your burden, as the scripture says, you give him your want. You ask God for guidance. You ask him in prayer. And what does he meet you with? He meets you with peace. He meets you with himself. That's when I would pray with my wife daily, desperately, looking for guidance to move forward in my life, to decide what my next chapter would look like. I wasn't met with an answer. I was met with God's peace. God is, is going to meet you with himself. He is not necessarily going to guide you with answers. He's going to guide you with himself. So the Spirit, what the Spirit is doing in those moments when we're looking for guidance from God, he's turning our minds, he's turning our face back to Jesus and to say with Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. That's the heart of spiritual guidance. The heart of spiritual guidance is spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, spiritual adulthood, right? That says, I want to give up more and more control over my life and more dependence on you to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. So if the Bible says that spiritual guidance is not something that God gives us, but something he does for us, what is the Bible interested in in saying? about spiritual guidance. And what the Bible is interested in saying about spiritual guidance is that there's a kind of person who's guided by the Spirit, right? Not, uh, that, that's the question that is interested in answering. What is the kind of person that is guided by the Spirit? Of course, if we want to be guided by the Spirit to give up control, to r- walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, what does that person look like? And the Bible is very eager to answer that question. So back in in Psalm 25, there are four marks for a person who is guided by the Spirit. The first, this person knows the Scriptures. Look at Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Learn the revealed will of God, right? If your question's about, God, what is your will for my life? God has revealed his will to you in the scriptures. God has revealed his will to you in the scriptures. Know them. Be a person who knows the word of God. The the idea here is that you have your faculties, your mind changed by the word of God. That's the idea in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. And I'll summarize this section, and uh, uh, in in this again, you can read it in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14, says, you need milk and not solid food. Said, but solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses or their faculties trained to discern good from evil. Now, the author of Hebrews is arguing that Jesus is in the line of Melchizedek, not in the line of Levi. And hopefully some of you are following with what I'm saying because you know the scriptures, right? What what the author of Hebrews is saying. But the author of Hebrews is saying, you don't know this conversation. I can't talk to you about this because you're not spiritual adults yet. You need milk and not solid food. And he says, I want to talk to you about the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is mentioned in Genesis and in Psalms and in Hebrews, and how this unique priesthood Jesus fits as our priestly king. That's what the, the message of Melchizedek is, is about. And the author says, I want you to learn and know these things, but you're too young, spiritually speaking. 
So if you, uh, the, the marks of a person who is guided by the Spirit is a person who has their faculties changed, who have grown up spiritually so that they can discern good from evil. Do you want to know which way to go and to walk by the Spirit? Be a person who can discern good from evil by knowing the Scriptures. Knowing the Scriptures, understanding the, the will of God is the foundation for guidance. Knowing the Scriptures is the foundation for guidance. Otherwise put by Paul in Romans 12, let the Scriptures transform your mind, right? Romans 12 too. There, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the scriptures dominate your mind. Know them. That's the first mark of a person who's guided by the Spirit. Quickly, the secondly, be a person who is obedient to the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 25, verse 9 and 10. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. The implication is that a humble person is someone who's teachable right? Someone who is teachable. They're obedient to the things that God has told them to do, right? They're humble to the scriptures, right? Humble that God says to do this and to not do that. They're obedient to those things. A person who is guided by the Spirit is humble. Coupled with this idea, if you keep reading in between those sections in Psalm 25, you'll read about a person who uh, confesses their sins, who admits their failures, who turns to and wants to be right with God. You read that in Psalm 25, 7, just, just for an example. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember, uh, re, uh, my, my Bible says, uh, according, to thy, excuse me, according to thy loving kindness, remember for your goodness sake, O Lord. Right? A person who walks in obedience is a person who is guided. Thirdly, a person uh, who's guided by the Spirit is a person committed to prayer. Verse, uh, Psalm 25, verse 14, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. The, uh, my, my Bible says secret. Your Bible might say friendship. And the idea of secret or friendship is a person who is drawn close to God in prayer to be intimate with God. Right? We can approach God in intimate uh, we approach God in prayer to receive his counsel, right? That, that's the idea that the Hebrew is trying to communicate here, right? The person who draws close to God in prayer to receive his counsel. And we know that, 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 that we can draw near to God. Why? Right? Because the, the shed blood of Jesus covers us in Hebrews 10, right? We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of the blood of Christ. We can draw near and be intimate with God. Beyond thinking about how insane that is, right? That we can be intimate with God because of, the, because of the work of the Spirit, right? We know that we can be intimate with God and do what in that moment? What do we do when we draw near to God? We draw near to God and we pour our heart to Him. We tell Him what's going on in our life. We, we are honest with God. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? We can go to God in prayer and tell him everything. We can go to God in prayer and tell him everything. And what is the result of that? 
something we've already talked about. And the peace of God, this is Philippians 4.8. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we pray, our hearts change, don't they? Right? Our priorities change. Our, our hearts are realigned. Our minds are quiet. Our, the things that we worry about don't matter so much as they did before. Right? Because we're met by God in that moment and we're given his peace. So we can go to God and we can ask for guidance. And that's, again, a mark of a person who is guided by the Spirit, who knows the Scriptures, who walks in obedience, who prays and is intimate with the Lord. The fourth, quickly, is Romans 8. A person who's marked, uh, who is uh, guided by the Spirit is a person who can relax and trust God. Romans 8 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then jumping to verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. A person who's guided by the Spirit is a person who can trust God and relax, knowing that God is going to work all things out for good, right? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No matter what choice you make, you can't be separated from the love of God. Adam, what what do I do about my bad choices? Yes, we we do make bad choices. We do sin. We do make a wrong choice error in judgment from time to time. But what does the scripture say? That God is even using our failures to bring it back to a good place, right? That God is bringing all things under his rule. He's making all things right. So we know that even whatever path we do take in life, whether we choose door A sometimes or door B, we can't make a wrong decision in a sense, right? Isn't that amazing that that we know that God has got all things worked out and that everything is going to work in him in the way that it should. And so we know that we can relax with God and trust him. Think of Joseph's story, right? You know the story of Joseph. We won't go into Joseph's story, right? His brothers sell him into slavery. They tell his father that he was dead. They sell him off to Egypt. Right? And what's the end of Joseph's story? Right? When he's saved the lives of his family. Right? What you, Joseph, this is from Genesis, what you caused for evil, God intended for good. What you thought was e- what you intended for evil, God intended for good. So God is going to open and close doors at the right time in our life. And we can relax knowing that even though you know, we feel like maybe the timing isn't the way we, we thought we wanted it to be, or things don't work out the way that we wanted them to, we know that we can relax because God is working all things for good for our life. You see how that's a, a, a position that you have no control over? Absolutely no control over that outcome, right? When you relax and you let God take control and walk by the Spirit. You don't want control. You think you want control. I think I want control, but that could be the worst thing. So what does this mean? We're landing the plane here, hopefully, uh, hopefully pretty well. <laughs> what does this mean? How can we make choices with the Spirit, right? How can we make choices throughout the day with the Spirit? A couple of good ways, a couple of bad ways, and lastly, a warning. 
There's a couple of good ways, right? Does your choice conform with the scriptures, right? Do you know the scriptures and you know, like, should I do this today or not? What does the scripture say, right? Should I honor my father and my mother today? Yes, because the scripture says to honor your mother and your father today, right? Should I love my wife? Should I, should I worship God today, right? Should I walk in obedience to, to the things God has commanded me to do today? Yes. Why? Because the scriptures tell me that. Be a student of the scriptures, right? Examine the scriptures and pursue the Lord in prayer. That's a good way to go about walking with the Spirit. Secondly, pursue wisdom. Wisdom from God is spiritual maturity and action. Spiritual maturity and action with flesh on that, that's working in life looks like wisdom. Wisdom is the topic that we haven't talked about today, right? You think about how does God guide us? God is going to use wisdom, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth to help us make decisions and to walk by the Spirit. Wisdom's a major topic in the Bible. Lady Wisdom is, is the figure standing up here on stage with me. What's the promise that you can take from wisdom quickly? In, Jer- in James chapter 1, it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he'll provide it to you. If you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do in a situation, you say, God, I want to honor you in this situation, and I don't know what what way to go, but I know I don't want to walk by the flesh. I want to walk by the Spirit. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. God, but know this, God's wisdom does not make sense to the wisdom of the world. God's wisdom is upside down in many cases to the wisdom of the world, right? God's wisdom uh, mocks the wisdom of the world. Read first, 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 Second Corinthians. Wisdom helps us evaluate good versus evil, especially in things that aren't noted in the Bible. Right? The Bible, of course, doesn't talk about everything. It's written two thousand years ago. Right? Doesn't have all of that, all of that there, of course. But wisdom helps us navigate those decisions. Wisdom helps us compare competing values. What should I value? Right? What are the things that I should pursue? Wisdom helps us navigate those things. We know that we can ask God for wisdom. Third thing, the counsel of other believers, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Whereas Jesus says, when more, two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in your midst. God speaks through the mouths of others. God speaks through the mouths of other Christians. And if you're a young Christian, if you're immature, if you're new in your faith, this avenue for guidance is the most important for you. Go to a person who's spiritually mature, who's walked in faith, and say, can you help me? Let me tell you my story. I'm looking for guidance. Can you help me? Does, does what I'm thinking, does this, you know, is this the spirit working in my life? Pursue the counsel of other Christians. Those are some good examples, some bad examples. Number one, don't listen to your heart. Right? The scripture says the heart is more deceitful than all others. Who can trust it? We should be doubting our motives, right? We have selfish hearts. At least I have a selfish heart that seeks pleasure and comfort and my own desires more than it seeks the spirit more than it seeks the spirit's desires. Does your decision making fall more in line with your heart or wisdom from the Lord? Doubt your heart. Doubt what you're thinking, right? Doubt those things because you know that it is not a reliable guide for life. 
Now, of course, our emotions are important. God gave them to us. They're a part of our life. But they're also an untrustworthy guide for decision-making and guidance, right? If we moved every way that we every way that we went just by our feelings, right? We'd be, of course, all over the place, right? Our emotions are also an, an, an un, untrustworthy guide, but our emotions stem from our heart, stem from our desires, stem from our will, right? And we can't trust those things because it's more, more deceitful than all others. And our hearts ultimately can what? They can justify just about whatever it wants, right? Our hearts can justify almost anything, literally anything, actually, that's why we should doubt them and not use them as a guide for our life. Another bad thing to pursue in spiritual guidance is to pursue alternative spirits, right? Tarot cards, astrology. Those aren't just bad because they're looking for a shortcut. They're bad because it's opening a doorway to powers and principalities and alternative spirituality, right? There are other spiritual forces that want to destroy you. And that avenue through astrology, through tarot cards, psychics, spiritual guides, you name it, is a doorway to, to the devil, right? The, the scripture says the devil is a roaring lion prowling about the earth, seeking people to devour. And when you open up that door, you're walking in that direction, right? When you say, I want to pursue those spirits for guidance, that's the path that you're walking in. Ultimately, right, even, even more practically, those things cannot provide the peace and guidance that you're looking for anyway, so why would you do it? Lastly, the warning. Be very careful. Be very careful when you say, God told me this, or God told me that. Be even especially more careful when you say to another person, God told me this about you, right? God is going to speak to that person, right? You may come alongside that person in wisdom to seek the Lord together, right? But be very careful that when you say to that person, hey, God told me this about you. You should quit your job. You should leave your husband. You should, God told me you should do this. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. So be very careful with those words. It's very easy for us to do that, right? But we have to question our motives. We have to know this. It did what I think God tell me. Does that contradict the scriptures? Does it contradict the, the, the work of Christ and put my faith in myself or in my flesh? Or does it point us to Christ? Does it point us to Christ? So spiritual guidance, of course, is a, is a really complex idea, right? But we know that God is going to guide us by giving us himself, God's guidance isn't something that he gives to us. He gives us himself, and we know that we can walk in faith every day, knowing that the Spirit will guide us as we walk in obedience. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful that you walk with us, that you have a plan for our life, that you're guiding us and you're making us into the image of your Son, Jesus. And God, as we think about this complex topic of, of guidance, God, we just pray that you would guide us towards yourself that you would guide us to growing in maturity and faith, that we, you can guide us to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. God, we know that that's what you want to achieve in our life, Lord, and we know that you're doing that every day. And God, we just pray that you would be uh, drawing us closer to yourself, increasing our love for you, Lord, as we get to know you, as we get to know you better, Lord, and, and to walk in obedience every day, Lord. These things we ask in your name. Amen.